Welcome to Mormon Book Reviews, where an evangelical encounters the restoration, and I'm your host, Stephen Peinecker, and folks, I have my special guest, Brent Ashworth, back for another segment of Show and Tell, which is uh, where, uh, is based uh, on the book that he wrote, which is this beautiful hardcover, uh, A Unique Journey Through History from the Life of Brent Ashworth. And uh, just so you know, folks, this will eventually hopefully get into a paperback format. So keep that in mind, be aware of that. Um, and uh, and so that you'll be able to purchase this uh, fantastic book. So basically, um, welcome back. Hey, thank you. I need um, to mention that uh, Tracy Felstead was the writer of the book. Oh, thank uh, you. I helped her with it, but uh, she she was the writer of the book and she did a great job. So. Appreciate you. Yeah, props to the author. Very good. Thanks for bringing that up, Brent. Um, so basically, um, we are just going to be doing another segment where uh, Brent is going to uh, reveal something to me for the first time. I have no idea what he's going to be throwing in front of the camera, and then I just react to it and uh, see if I, he can keep me on my toes. So, Brent, what is our next item? Well, this item is in the book, uh, Show and Tell. Uh, okay. People have often asked me if I have a favorite item in the collection. I have a couple of them, but uh, this one is my favorite LDS piece. Um, it's a full handwritten page by the prophet Joseph Smith on the subject of virtue. And uh, we've got a full page of it in the, in the book describing it. Uh, what's interesting about it is uh, Dean Jesse, who you may know, started the Joseph Smith Papers Project uh, way back when, uh, he used to tell me years ago, he said, you know, Brent, when I first showed him this, he said, out of about 5,000 pages we have uh, authored by the prophet Joseph Smith, if you discount that one little journal he kept uh, for a short time, there's less than 50 of those pages in his handwriting. And, uh, and that's really true. Anybody that collects Joseph Smith handwriting knows that there's very little around. Uh, this is one of the only pieces I'm aware of in private hands. And uh, that's not the important thing. The important part of it is that uh, uh, Joseph wrote this at a time right after he got out of Liberty Jail. Uh, and uh, you may recall the Great Revelations, section 121, 122, 123. In the 121st section of the DNC, one of the uh, Lord's statements through Joseph is that uh, we should uh, garnish our thoughts with virtue. Uh, and uh, so the statement of virtue was on his mind when he was, uh, when he was released. The Lord had given him that, uh, that revelation there, along with the others. And um, when he made his escape, I should say, from Liberty Jail, uh, later, um, one of the uh, assignments that he was given by the Lord by revelation was to take their grievances to the judge again uh, over the Missouri loss of their property in Missouri. He says, and if the judge won't listen to you, take it to the governor. Well, obviously, the governor had uh, issued an exterminating order, uh, Boggs, so he couldn't take it to him. He's not going to do anything. He's, uh, the Mormons ought to be exterminated or driven from the state, he said. And if that doesn't work, take it back to the national government. You know, it's mentioned in the Constitution um, to the president and the Congress. Well, Joseph went through all of those steps, and the Lord said, uh, if none of them will listen to you, um, I'll pour out my judgment upon them. Uh, well, a lot of people in the church feel like that that pouring of judgment on them was the Civil War. Uh, which uh, happened a few years later and was the subject of a revelation on the war, uh, section 86. Anyway, um, Joseph gets out of the jail. He makes a uh, trip back to Washington, D.C. to talk to uh, President Van Buren, famous visit. He takes uh, Judge Higby with him 
Uh, they took uh, uh, Porter Rockwell and Sidney Rigdon and Hiram Smith. Uh, and uh, Sidney got ill and uh, Porter uh, took uh, him and Hiram back to uh, uh, back to uh, Commerce or Nauvoo uh, became at that time. Judge Higby and Joseph went on. They visited with Van Buren who told them your cause is just, but I can do nothing for you. Um, kind of a unique idea if I have to, you know, um, I can do nothing for you. I, if I'd have to help the, uh, the whole state of Missouri, which would be a unique idea for any politician, I guess. Anyway, uh, he was uh, rebuffed by the Congress too. And he, rather than make the uh, trip a loser, he decided to go to Philadelphia where the church had a small branch uh, under Benjamin Winchester, it's the local uh, uh, branch president. And Joseph stayed in uh, on the, this trip for about a month. Uh, in fact, there's been some speculation that he might have had that famous photograph taken there that's never been found. Um, but uh, anyway, he was there long enough because uh, uh, he stayed with a uh, Susan Conrad who had a bed and breakfast uh, there in Philadelphia. And he and Judge Higby uh, stayed at her place. Um, and we know that the prophet... Uh, they, they rented a hall. It was actually a Jewish synagogue uh, to speak from. Uh, years ago, the church historical department found out that that synagogue was still standing and they, they named it. Um, there were, it was room for several hundred people to crowd into the synagogue. The Philadelphia Inquirer, which I think is still the newspaper there unless it went under, <laughs> uh, announced, uh, come listen to the, uh, Joseph Smith, the Mormon prophet, the barbarian of the West. <laughs> That's the way they described him. And out of curiosity, hundreds of people came to the synagogue to listen to Joseph Smith speak. Now, we don't know exactly what he said, but we do know from Winchester's notes and others that were there that it was pretty much a talk about family. Uh, I don't think it would be too foreign to say that it could be used at a present general conference of the church. Uh, Looking at it from uh, perhaps a more eternal perspective, I would say that that uh, the Lord has uh, uh, is kind of Johnny One Note in a way because he's trying to get families to to work together. Joseph said as he came into Philadelphia, he knows the bars were filled with men who probably should be home with their wives and children. He saw children running around the streets of Philadelphia and uh, not really cared for, um, their clothing tattered and so on. And he spoke about these issues from the pulpit there and said that uh, mothers, fathers, get home, you know, start uh, raising your kids the way they should be raised, teaching them uh, principles of truth and so on. And the talk was so well received that a number of people came up afterwards and asked to be baptized, including the lady they were staying with, uh, Susan Conrad. Uh, she was eventually baptized too after that. Uh, well, uh, it really kicked off the church in in uh, Philadelphia more than any other meeting that they'd had before. And a number of people were baptized and the, uh, the um, branch grew. Well, uh, he was there about a month, like I say, and when he and Judge Higby were getting ready to leave, uh, uh, Mrs. Uh, Conrad, not yet married, she later married a Wilkinson, um, she uh, asked him if he wouldn't mind writing in her album. Uh, she had an autograph album. and. Um, he said he would. Now, generally, Joseph Smith used scribes for everything. In 1839, in his history, he says, I hardly ever take up the pen myself. And any collector would agree with that. <laughs> you know, you can find things he signed, but even the, some of those are questionable. But uh, full handwritten items are, uh, uh, are slim to nil. 
And um, uh, when I showed this to Dean Jesse, he was amazed by it. It is in Joseph Smith's handwriting. And it's a full statement on virtue. And he'd had that on his mind since he got out of Liberty Jail a short time before. This is uh, spring of 1840. It's not dated, but we think it's around February of 1840. Been there about a month. And this is what he wrote in her book. Virtue is one of the most prominent principles that enables us to have confidence in approaching our Father who is in heaven in order to ask wisdom at his hand. Therefore, if thou wilt cherish this principle in thine heart, thou mayest ask with all confidence before him, and it shall be poured out upon thine head, and thou shalt not lack anything that thy soul desires in truth. And again, the Lord shall bless this house, and none of them shall fail, because they turn not away the servants of the Lord from their doors. Even so, amen. Uh, and he signed it, Joseph Smith Jr. Now, I can feel the inspiration in that statement just by rereading it. And uh, so to me, uh, it's just a further testimony as to uh, the prophetic calling of, uh, of Joseph Smith. Um, and the nice thing about it is it's entirely in his, in his handwriting. I don't know if you can see it. Yeah. At the bottom there, uh, Joseph Smith Jr. His father was still alive for a few more months. He dropped the junior after his father died. But um, it's entirely in his handwriting, which makes it a rare piece. It's also my wife's and my favorite piece uh, in the LDS collection. And um, uh, Mrs. Wilkinson, uh, she married a Wilkinson later, Conrad at that time. Um, I don't know if this is any easier to look at the copy, but uh, that's the copy of it. Um, and it's pictured a full page in my book. Um, but uh, it has no punctuation in it, much like the Book of Mormon manuscript. It has no punctuation in it. It has three distinct pieces, if you will. If you will. Uh, he, he has a statement on virtue, um, and then he gets scriptural, leave thy thou, and, and so on, thine. And then he leaves the family with a blessing because it allowed him to stay with them. Uh, three distinct parts. No uh, punctuation anywhere. You know, uh, so it's kind of uh, kind of interesting that way. Um, it's precious to us now, but that uh, that has become my my favorite autograph in the LDS collection. Interesting. Um, you wonder you got something written in Joseph's handwriting. Uh, the, why the church hasn't canonized that? Well, it's, <laughs> it's an important piece. It's it's going to make the uh, Joseph Smith Papers project, of course. Mm -hmm. But um, it's had an interesting history. <laughs> well, because, talk about uh, it. Well, what happened was originally, I found this piece, uh, a good friend of mine, Pete Crawley, who's a very well-known book uh, dealer and actually uh, uh, wrote the book on, on Mormon uh, printing materials years ago. Uh, he serves as a missionary at the LDS Church Historical Office. Uh, he's a neighbor of mine for many years, a good friend. At any rate, uh, uh, he told me back in about 1973, he said, great, if you get down to... Uh, uh, to Laguna Beach, California. Go look up my friend at the um, uh, at the bookstore there in Laguna Beach, and uh, he gave me his name and and all that, and I did. And I had my younger brother, who's uh, an attorney like me, but he's in California, uh, go with me. And uh, his name was John Swingle, the the dealer. Uh, and we went to his uh, office. I told him I was interested in LDS things. He said, "Oh, I've got." A marvelous piece it's up at my house though uh, so he invited us up to his home so my brother and i that evening went up to his home he had a full handwritten lincoln piece i've always been 
interested in Lincoln, but the piece was not signed by Lincoln, but obviously it was in his handwriting. It was a court brief. But then he pulls this piece out that I've read you, and I couldn't believe it. I was floored uh, because it appeared to all be in Joseph Smith's handwriting. And it's a statement on virtue, and it had a great uh, history to it. Well, I wanted this piece. It was uh, more money than I can afford, uh, $10,000 at the time, uh, in 1973. Uh, and I was still in law school. My brother was about to go to law school. I was just starting. And so I uh, didn't have the funds for it, but it's one of those things I really want to bet. So I tracked it. And uh, it went from here to, uh, from John Swingle's uh, store to uh, Illuminate Beach, to ultimately to Chicago, Ken Nevins, all map dealer that uh, had it in Chicago for a while. The price kept going up. I kept, it kept getting out of reach. Uh, eventually, a few years later, it ended up at uh, uh, the biggest autograph shop in the country, Charles Hamilton in New York. And uh, Bud, as we called Charles, uh, became a good friend, but he'd already gotten rid of it. <laughs> I moved it on to another friend of mine, Ken Rendell, uh, who was actually involved with the Hoffman thing later. But Rendell uh, has a World War II museum. He's a um, first-rate dealer, still living. He's uh, been a friend since 1972. I've known him for a long, long time. And um, at any rate, uh, Ken had it. Well, in 1985, I went to the New York uh, Book Fair, which was held on uh, at the uh, 67th Avenue uh, uh, Antique uh, uh, Convention Center, where they hold a lot of their conventions and things on Fifth Avenue in New York. And uh, they had about 300 dealers there. Ken Rendell was there at the time. He had a, you know, his dealership represented by uh, by a booth and. Uh, he saw me, um, and uh, Mark Hoffman was there too at that time, and uh, uh, he was there with uh, uh, with Galen Rust, uh, Rust Coins, and, and a couple other people from the LDS Church Historical Department were also there at the time. So there were several of us that knew each other. Anyway, Ken and I were old friends, and Ken says, "I've got something I need to ask you your help on," and I says, "Oh yeah," and he says, uh, "Yeah, can we go talk?" He says. Uh, I don't want uh, Hoffman to hear me. So anyway, we went uh, up to the men's room because the only place we thought we could talk. And uh, while, we're, while we're there at the men's room, he tells me, he says, you know, I sent to uh, Mark Hoffman a piece of papyrus. And it was uh, genuine. It was from the Ptolemaic period of Cleopatra. And uh, he said, I think it was $12,500 for this fragment. And he said, I haven't been able to get paid by the guy. Uh, he says, I know he's here, but he, you know, he just uh, kind of blows me off. He says, can you, can you try to get my money for me or get my manuscript fragment back? And I says, you bet, Ken, I'll be trying to do that. And then he changes the subject. He says, oh, by the way, he has this Joseph Smith statement on virtue I sent him. <laughs> and I knew exactly what it was because I'd tracked this thing for the previous dozen years or so. And uh, this was 1985. And uh, I completely forgot about the papyrus. <laughs> talking about one of my favorite pieces I hadn't gotten, you know. And he said, I sent that on to Hoffman too, and he hasn't paid me for it. He told me what he, I think it was 25 grand or something by that time. And uh, he said, I haven't been able to pay for it. Well, you know, I completely forgot about the papyrus, which was a probably good thing <laughs> at the time because it was. The papyrus that ended up in Steve Christensen's uh, uh, safe deposit box after he's murdered. But um, 
and it had been offered to me. I'd had it. Uh, he and Flynn had brought it by uh, my store a week or so before the bombings. But I completely forgot about it when he brings up this Joseph Smith piece, which I've been tracking for a dozen years. So I said, well, you mind if I go get it from Hoffman and uh, send you a check? He says, no, that'd be great. I had a pretty good job by this time. So I decided, oh, whatever it takes, I'm going to buy it. So when I told Hoffman, I says, well, I want that piece. I'm going to buy it. So he gave it to me. He didn't have the funds for it. And, uh, and that's how I ended up with it. Hmm. Uh, and for many years, the church wouldn't touch it because it had been touched by Hoffman, but it had nothing to do with Hoffman. And so I went and got Ken Mandel to write, write a long statement about uh, its history and some of the other dealers along the way. Um, and uh, I know it's provenance going way back. So the point is that uh, we knew it was genuine, but the, the, the church wouldn't handle it because Hoffman was in the chain. Uh, so for a long time, now they're going to include it finally in the in the Joseph Smith Papers Project. But anyway, that's a kind of a shortened version of the story. It's a long story, but uh, it's an interesting story of how it uh, came my way. Wow, that is really very interesting to hear that. Um, so yeah, that so this um, this this virtue letter, this wasn't known like very well. This wasn't a known thing. This is something that. It was, was like when when did we first hear about it you may have mentioned earlier but i, I don't remember 73 was the first 1973 time. is the first time you heard of it is that was the first time that people knew about it well it was uh people generally didn't know about it for years after that but got uh, it pete crawley told me about it so he knew about it john swingle who had gotten it originally knew about it it has okay. been passed down through uh the family of susan conrad and so we knew even though her name doesn't appear on it, we knew exactly where it came from. And then ultimately, years later, after I had it, after I acquired it, the church ended up with the Conrad autograph album. Hmm. <laughs> and uh, this is one of the pages missing out of it. Uh, and so uh, years, uh, about a year and a half ago during the pandemic, after we started, church historical staff invited me to bring it up again, look at it. We tried to get it in the... Uh, we got it in the church news when I first got it, but after Hoffman, they wouldn't touch it. And uh, we were going to do an article for the Ensign, and uh, they backed off on it because of uh, the Hoffman connection, which it really didn't have, because Hoffman only had it in his hands for a short time. But at uh, any rate, we, uh, uh, we were able, uh, this last go around, to take this up. And another. I got another page uh, since then from the same album which was never put in the album or taken out exact same paper exact same size and everything from a completely different source uh it come at auction in swan galleries in new york and uh it was a collection of lds stuff but among it was a handwritten statement of sydney rigdon's when he'd finally gotten to her place uh, about a month later and uh it was there right at the tail end of George joseph's visit and uh rigdon had written out an entire paragraph also uh, for uh, Conrad and had her name and everything on it and uh, identical paper uh, and so it fit perfectly in in the album but the album was bound without either of these pieces in it or it had been rebound and they you know when they were out of it uh, we don't know exactly for sure but uh, the other piece the Sidney Rigdon piece helped to further authenticate the Joseph Smith piece so uh, it was it was fun to have that uh, come my way as well. And that one didn't pass through the hands of Hoffman, right? No. Yeah. Okay. 
Well, that's great. That's great to know. So very interesting. Uh, you know, like we had talked be before, is just the history of the, the provenance of the item is so important. And, uh, and of course, the, the taint of Mark Hoffman will be with us for a very long time. Um, this is really uh, interesting uh, item that you presented to my audience. Um, I just wanted to ask you, um, first of all, thanks again for doing uh, this segment with me. Um, do you have any final words you'd like to share with my audience? Well, just that I think that this uh, being a handwritten piece and where he, uh, it, it really speaks to, uh, I think, his uh, being close to the spirit, even mm -hmm. in writing a short piece like this, you can feel, uh, um, you, you can feel uh, the spiritual nature of it, I think. Uh, and you don't get a lot of that with, uh, um, with pieces that are not in his handwriting that you don't, you know, don't have this direct uh, link to him. So this is a little visit with a prophet, if you will, I think. And that's what uh, my wife and I really love about it. That's a very good, good point. And, I, and I've actually even heard some letters that he had written to Emma from New York. You yeah. know, he was kind of grieving over the, the, the people of the city, like he had, a, he had a burden for their souls, which I uh, mm -hmm. found very interesting uh, that he felt yeah. that way uh, in his own personal uh, views. And uh, that, that none of that stuff is for public consumption. So I think it's really good that we kind of get the get an idea of the inner workings and the thought process of, of who Joseph Smith was. Yeah. Thank so. you. Well, once again, folks, I want to thank Brent for doing this uh, show and tell uh, segment. Uh, this is great. We are uh, really enjoying uh, the opportunity for Brent to share uh, pieces of his collection that uh, are uh, regarded, uh, that are connected with uh, the restoration and the history of the Church of Jesus Christ of uh, Latter-day Saints. I want to just remind everybody to like and subscribe and don't forget to hit the notification button to be informed when a new episode comes out. Uh, Brent, thanks for coming back on. Thank you, Steve. Appreciate it. We'll see you all later.